Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We exist to be a community that seeks God and serves people. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And now let's get back to the podcast. Thank you, Mac. What a beautiful passage. Well, friends, I know that that was definitely the longest passage we've had yet. And if you're trying to keep up with handwriting uh, the Gospel of John uh, from here on out, want to break it to you that most of these passages will definitely get longer uh, because what we're going to do is once we get out of chapter one, uh, we're going to start preaching by individual stories. So we're not going to do like one verse per week because uh, I hope you have five years to get through John's gospel because it would take a long time if we just went one verse at a time. But like I said, we're going to go through stories and this is a good example of what we'll be doing from here on out. And this morning, I wanted to focus very specifically on one aspect of this passage. There's so much you can glean from uh, what about John's identity and how he acknowledges that he's not Elijah, that he's not the Messiah, that he's not the prophet. Uh, that's a reference to Deuteronomy 18, but he's not any of those people. But what I want to focus on this morning is... Uh, with a little bit of bias as I want to focus on Jesus. So without further ado, I'm going to be sharing my screen. I'm going to be talking about this idea that the spirit remains. So what you'll notice in this passage right away, and this is the question I want to ask is who is Jesus? You know, the Pharisees, the uh, Jerusalem leadership were curious about who is John but John deflects that right away, and he's, he wants to talk about, who is Jesus? Why is he so important? And how can John deny his own importance? But we're going to find out right away why Jesus is important. So I'm going to answer this question with one of the most important words in the Gospel of John. It's the idea of remaining. Jesus is the one on whom the Spirit remains. So you'll hear me talk about this many times. You do not have to be a Greek scholar by any means, but I'm highlighting this because this is perhaps one of the most key words in the Gospel of John. It's called meno. Meno. That's the word for remain or abide, uh, the idea of staying put. Jesus is the one on whom the Spirit remains. John says that he saw the Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And then it remained. And you're going to see right off the bat that this is so important. Because with the Spirit remaining on him, again, that's the key word here, remain, we realize that Jesus is the true anointed one. So John says he's not the Messiah and or he's not the Christ, however you want to look at it. Both of those words, whether in Hebrew or in Greek, it means the anointed one. And the anointed one is the king. The king throughout the Old Testament, whoever would be king of Israel, would be anointed by the prophet. Because the spirit remains on Jesus, we know that he is the true picture. He is the fully realized Messiah or anointed one. So why is this important? Why does it matter so much that Jesus is the Messiah when everything before this is talking about how Jesus is God? It seems like at least it matters because Jesus is Israel gone right. 
That's what it means to be the Messiah. It means that the Messiah would come and live out the role of Israel correctly, to do it the right way. And Israel's first king, who was also anointed by the prophet Samuel, Saul, he had the spirit come upon him. In first king, sorry, in first Samuel chapter 10, what happens right away is that Saul has the spirit come on him and he starts prophesying. He starts doing all these crazy things. And if you're an Israelite and you were one of those people complaining to God that we need a king like the other nations, this might be like a little bit of validity to your request of God to have a king like the other nations. And then, you know, he's prophesying and he's doing all these things and he seems like a great guy. He seems like the kind of person that's going to lead Israel well. But in chapter 16, after he falls into wickedness, in chapter 16, verse 14, the spirit leaves Saul. The spirit leaves Saul. So in 1 Samuel, what happens is the spirit comes upon Saul. He's the king of Israel. But then the spirit leaves. And he's no longer recognized as king. So it comes upon him and it leaves. And then David is then anointed and he becomes king. And there's a whole drama throughout 1 Samuel about who is really the king of Israel. But the point is, this idea that the spirit remains on Jesus is that the spirit, sorry, the spirit does not leave him. The spirit remains on Jesus. In this passage, I would say is an echo of 1 Samuel chapters 10 and 16, because John wants to point this out. If you were a Jewish person in the first century, you were awaiting God's true king. You were awaiting the Messiah, the anointed one. And they would be familiar with Israel's history. And for John to say, you will recognize him because he is the one on whom the spirit is remaining they're going to think probably back to this type of story. They might think of how the Spirit came upon Saul, and then it left. But this time, if John sees the Spirit descending upon Jesus and then remaining, we see that Jesus is the true King, that the Spirit will not leave him. And this becomes a theme throughout the Gospel of John. But it's not just about Jesus. What about us? Jesus is the one who gives the Spirit to remain in us. So just as Jesus received the Spirit and it descended upon him and it remained, and we're going to see this in John, John chapters 13 through 17 later on in the year, that Jesus wants us to remain in the Father. And we're going to learn a lot about how the Spirit enables us to do that. But Jesus is the one who gives us the spirit to remain in us, to not leave us, but to stay with us, to dwell inside of us. Now, in the first century, if you wanted to see, if you wanted to know where the spirit of God might dwell, you might think of the temple. And the temple was the area where the presence of God would come and assure the people that God was still with them. But in the book of Ezekiel, what we have is this idea is that Israel is about to go off into captivity. Their sin has pushed them away from God. God has said, you've broken the covenant, just as Abigail was mentioning earlier, this idea of covenant. 
the human beings, the Israelites, broke their end of the covenant, and God's presence left the temple. Now, here's the thing. Throughout all the Jewish literature, between Ezekiel and the time of Jesus, there are glimmers of hope that the Spirit would return, that God's presence would be in the temple. But we even see in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra that the second temple that was built, after the first one was destroyed, the second temple was never the same. It never felt like the presence of God was there. So now, Jesus is going to teach us later in the gospel that he not, God not only sees it fit for his spirit to dwell in the human body of Jesus, but that Jesus sees it fit for redeemed human beings like you and me, for his spirit to dwell and remain in us. So this isn't a very long message. I just want to give out some, give out some wisdom and hopefully some exhortation about what it means for us. If we have the spirit remaining in you and me, the Holy Spirit of God, the eternal God, his spirit is within us. If that is true, what does that mean for us? And I see a very, very practical application of this. We live in a fast-paced, constantly moving world. I'm going to come to more of that in a second, but I want to say this. We need to be people who remain. If God's spirit remains in us, we need to be the kind of people who aren't flaky, who just last minute ghost people or abandon people. We need to be people who remain. And to further my comment from earlier, the world is constantly moving. It's transient, in other words. And let me give you a very clear example of this. Kayla and I, in our five years of marriage, I think we've moved more times than years we have been married. Okay, to say the world is transient and constantly moving is an understatement. And praise God, we are rooted here on the west side of Cincinnati, and we love being here. But it doesn't change the fact that we notice that the world is constantly moving. It's constantly about getting the next job. It's constantly about finding a better place to live or finding a better place to find your education, whatever it might be. Even just in the day-to-day, -day, moving from one task to the other, our world does not stop. But the fact that the Spirit remains on Jesus and that Jesus gives his Spirit to us to remain in us is proof that we must be rooted. And praise God that that's our theme this year, that we are rooted in the gospel. And part of that is staying. It's remaining. I know that it's so tempting to look for the better things in life. And if the better things in life aren't where you live currently, it's always seems like the right move to chase it, right? It seems like, why would I want to be rooted if there's something better somewhere else? And maybe God wants to teach us something different. Maybe it's just antithetical to the world to stay rooted even if you don't live in the best neighborhood, even if you don't live in the best school district, or even if you don't live where you ideally want to live. What if God is doing something different in the world? What if he's renewing the world through people who are planting roots, who are remaining? 
So I want to give you two things to walk away with today. The first one is this. Part of remaining, and probably the most important one, is remaining in the gospel. Remaining in the gospel. This is key because if we remain in other things, they're going to constantly shift us around, and they're going to constantly mess with our view of the world. The gospel is this. The gospel is not a recipe for how to get to heaven. I know that it's been presented as such for a lot of church history, but the gospel is not about you and me. The New Testament is not concerned as much about how you and I get to somewhere for eternity as much as it's concerned about what Jesus accomplished. The gospel is an announcement about Jesus's victorious death and his resurrection that affirmed that he is Israel's Messiah and therefore the hope of the world. Let me say that one more time. The gospel is a historical event about Jesus's victorious death over the dark powers of sin and death and his resurrection that affirmed that he is Israel's Messiah and therefore the hope of the world. That's what the gospel is. What you and I do with that announcement has all the implications of eternity, of course. But the gospel itself is not about you and me. It's about Jesus. Let's clear that up. So if we're remaining in the gospel, we are remaining in Jesus. And he's given us his spirit to do just that. So remain in the gospel. Remember, you are to go out into the world and announce this. It's not advice. As N.T. Wright says in his book, Simply Good News, it's not advice. It's an announcement. It's news. Okay, that's what the gospel is. So let's remain in that. But here's the other point that I want to drive home before we finish today. Remain in the church. During class, Laura asked, what are some ways that, you know, the teachings of Jesus might seem antithetical to the world, might seem to run against the world. One of those things, I'm just going to name, name it how I see it. Maybe you see it a little bit differently. One of the things that I think the message of Jesus runs up against in our culture is what I call hyper-individualism. In other words, that life is a, ser a series of choices that I have to make for my own benefit. In other words, it's all about me. And I think the teachings of the New Testament, especially what Jesus is going to offer us in the Gospel of John, is going to throw us a very different message. And that if we're not careful, we'll be offended by it. Because I love individuality. My personality type is one of celebrating my expressiveness and my individuality, but I also want to say that I have to filter that always through the teachings of scripture. And one of the things I'm convinced by is that remaining in community, remaining particularly in the community of God's people is the only healthy way through life. There are so many messages out there of independence of individuality. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think they are just, I think they're just shades of the truth. They are not the truth though. 
because no person, no human being is truly independent. Because to be independent means that you don't need anybody else. And that is a lie. That is a lie if there ever was one. Because here's the thing. This is what I've learned. Just this week, I had another episode of what's called atrial fibrillation, which means my heart got out of rhythm and it was it was liking this new rhythm and I knew it wasn't right. It just didn't feel right. So I had to go to the hospital and all I could think about is like, man, how am I going to take care of myself? How can I take care of myself? That was my first thought. And that is because in that moment, I was more informed by cultural narratives than I was informed by scripture at that moment. Because if I were leaning into scripture, I'd be doing two things. I would say, God, I need you in this moment. Lord, I cannot do this without you. Two, when I start feeling better, I need to ask my church family for help. And it took a lot of courage for me because this is the third time it's happened in my life. It took a lot of courage for me just to send a message uh, to our to our eldership here at Central just to say, like, I need prayer because I cannot do this alone. I had to confess that it scared me as a 30-year-old that this has happened three times. It scared me, and I had to admit that. And I'm admitting it to you here now because no pastor should refuse to be vulnerable. No preacher should refuse to be transparent because we have to follow Christ, not just in our strength, but in our weakness. And I'm making a point here, but that the church came back and blessed me immensely through one phone call uh, midway through last week. Someone who was in my position for many years before me reached out to me and Steve Boyd prayed with me. And that, that changed everything this week. To have somebody reach out and request that God would act in such a way that he would bring healing, to move in such a way that he would change things literally in my heart that meant the world to me and that's the beauty of the church don't think that you can do life alone there is no true th such thing as independence we are all desperate desperately dependent on god and his people so just as the spirit remains on Jesus, and then Jesus gives his spirit and it remains in us. So we need to remain in the gospel and we need to remain in the church. We need to push back the lies that we can do life on our own. We can't. But God gave us each other so that you and I could go into the world together in our weakness and bear testimony to the crucified and risen Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you gave us life. You gave us life by your Holy Spirit. 
Not only this, but you gave us your Holy Spirit to stay and to not leave. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for remaining in us, even as we struggle to remain in the gospel, even as we struggle to remain in the church, to remain in the community of your people. I just pray boldly this week that we would be able to confess to each other our weaknesses, that we'd be able to confess the areas where we struggle to remain. And that we would instead become people who are so rooted in the gospel, who are so rooted in your people, that we can't help but give you praise because you have given us these gifts to know that we no longer have to fear because you are with us. And as Jesus will remind us later in the gospel, that you will not abandon us or leave us as orphans. So God, we praise your name. We praise the name of Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we just ask that you would help us remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen.